Hi, my name is Anamika Hops, and this is The Art Friend Show, where every conversation focuses on getting to know the essence of creativity itself. I'd love to invite you as well to join me inside of Art Friend School, where we go deeper into these topics and join in with other art friends around the world. Thanks so much for joining us, and let's get to the show. Joe, here's something cool that you're gonna love to know. Hi, my name is Anamika Hops. I'm an artist in Portland, Oregon, and I, I do mentoring for other visual artists through my membership called the Art Brand School, as well as working one-on-one -on -one privately with other artists. This is day 91 in a row going live to create the Art Brand Show, and today I'm going to talk about the idea of um, like when you have an idea as an artist and then you see it's already been done or when you see another artist's work and you're like, ooh, I want to try that. So I want to talk about the many nuances of those two experiences. When you see something and you're like, ah, that's what I wanted to do. I wish I had thought of that or darn, they're already doing it. Or when you see it and you really want to do it, but then how to grapple with that influence in your work. So. This uh, inspiration for the show came up while working with a private client earlier today. She asked me those questions, and so our discussion led to some insight and examples that I thought, hey, it might be helpful to turn around and do a solo show for you about this. So, first I'd like to talk about the idea of multiple discovery. And I'm going to preface it with my basic belief system around creativity is that there is something so much greater than than me, than my brain's ability to like filter and perceive and process. I really think that there's like this, this whole like complete system of a world that I live in as a living, breathing human and working artist, that there are, there are things, there are ideas that are beyond my comprehension there are obviously a lot of like things that happen automatically in my body and in the world that you know I don't have any conscious control over or participation in. And so for me, creativity exists in that realm. Like it's it's beyond my my small you know viewpoint as a human. But ideas to me, it makes sense that ideas come from that realm. That ideas are just neatly in that realm. And then I think that my experience thus far in my life as a creative human being, and, and I have the medium of art to express it with, is that ideas that come knocking. And as I'm attuning to them, as I do my practices, my journaling, my reflection, my painting, all of that, my talking, the ideas come through and then they get expressed. And sometimes ideas come visit me and I like have no way to express them and they'll be really persistent until I do, and sometimes I feel like they kind of go away. And I've seen examples of this in other really well-known creatives um, and throughout history. So to prepare for this show, I, I just wanted to refresh myself, and there's this concept of multiple discovery. And this happened around the um, you know time that Charles Darwin and other researchers were formulating the, the theory of evolution. Um, and it's this concept that, you know, independently of each other, people will 
come up with this with a similar idea. Like their actual essay about the thing might be different, but the core discovery or idea is is the same. And interestingly, there's this author, Elizabeth Gilbert, you may have heard her talk about it, um, because she's kind of in this field with especially with her book about creativity called Big Magic. But she gives the example of this idea for a novel that visited her and it was very compelling. It was about you know, traveling to South America and there were several specific details about the story and she got all hot on it and started. And then she was no longer in service to the idea. She put it aside. And then many years later, she was at a writing conference and she heard an author, Ann Patchett, speak about her new book, which is called State of Wonder, I believe. Let's see. Yeah, I, and I've read it. It's really, I mean, she's an amazing writer, Ann Patchett. Um, and it was the same idea. Like it was to the T the same idea. And so the two authors like compared notes, compared timelines and realized that this idea had come to them around a similar time. And when Elizabeth was no longer acting upon it, it went and like, you know, got made through Ann Patchett, <laughs> which I love that story because I think it really affirms to me that we are you know, simply in service to these ideas, in service to creativity itself. And when things really want to get made, if, you know, if they have that type of intelligence of wanting, it's just, those are the words I have for it at this point. Um, they'll find a way, they'll find a way. And if we're able to make them great, I think that it ends up being in service to us as well. So another example, also from Elizabeth Gilbert, um, is when she was interviewing Tom Waits, and he had been, you know, writing songs for a long time, really familiar with his process. And he said one day he was like driving down the highway and this melody came to him. He was like, oh, that's such a good melody, but he was really stressed out because he was driving. And then in that moment, he realized, hey, if you really want to be a song, you know, can you come back at a better time? Can't you see that I'm driving? <laughs> he kind of like told it off. And then he was like, go bother, go bother Leonard Cohen. <laughs> like, go, go get made somewhere else. I love that kind of comical, you know, he's real gruff and grouchy. And I love characters like that. Anyway, um, so again, this concept that there's like creativity itself and it visits us and that ideas aren't necessarily like ours. I really feel like all the ideas that I've ever acted on aren't necessarily like, yeah, I've invested my time, my sweat and my courage and my resources and a lot of that into like making them. But I don't really feel like it's like about me, even art friend, like art friend, art friend has brought this up a lot because I'm really hot on this idea. It's starting to be this like brand for me. Um, the concept of art friend to me is like, an embodiment of creativity itself and we like recognize it in each other as art friends so I'm really rolling with it but I've had an experience before where I've named something and it, and it came really clearly creative clarity back in the day somebody else already had like a whole thing built around it so I am filing a trademark for art friend yada yada because I am a smart savvy business woman so that brings me from the idea of of um, multiple discovery and how ideas themselves truly are like beyond personal property, they're like universal property to me. However, 
in our in the way we live right now, especially in capitalism and um, incoming income making and all of that, we have things called copyright laws, right? And so copyright laws essentially at their essence um, respect the fact that intellectual and creative work is property, okay? And so from that premise, we have these laws to protect like our property. And um, I have uh, these great um, friends, uh, colleagues, advocates, they're wonderful people. Betsy Cordes and her husband Chuck Cordes have been amazing educators and advocates in this realm for a lot of us in the niche of being visual artists and self-represented art brands and entrepreneurs. So go check out February 13 Creative. First, they have a whole bunch of blog posts about copyright. And um, Chuck Cordes is, is my lawyer and he does represent a lot of artists. And then Betsy started this thing called the Art Brand Alliance, which is for artists who are, you know, really full-time self-represented running a whole business. And it's really about all the business stuff. It's like all the stuff I don't cover as art friend. I cover like the creative process and debuting and coming out and that whole thing. And Betsy's created this organization called the Art Brand Alliance. It's really for all these discussions around <clears throat> copyright and business and a million other things that relate to that. So thank you to them because I did peruse their blog quite a bit to prepare for this episode to refresh myself on copyright. Um, and you can too, if you want to learn more. <laughs> so essentially copyright says, yo, like the work of any of, of many other professions is respected as property. Like you, you know, people create buildings and then those are, they own them and et cetera. Um, we create intellectual properties. I create artworks. I create, um, online courses and educational programs. All I create written pieces. These are all mine under my own copyright protection, or I create trademarks and, and concepts and things like that. My granddad was a metallurgist and he has like patents and things about certain um, things that he created. So all of that is to say that as like artists and creatives, what we're doing is valuable. And so we are able to um, claim the copyright on what we do. And what that does is it helps us protect our work. It helps us create a legacy so that we can eventually have, you know, this library of works that we've created, whether they're visual artworks or like if musicians create or writers, et cetera, that you have, and then that's your legacy. You decide how you license it, leverage it, et cetera, pass it along to your family and such. Now, some things that I see um, a lot in this niche, and this again could be mini episodes, so I'm just going to touch on it, are when um, there are copyright infringement cases. And these are really interesting. And there are people that are way, like, way more informed about good examples of them. But this is when um, there's a very obvious use of one, per of one artist's intellectual property in making a new work of art. And this is where I actually um, 
like I'm not in the realm of like it becoming big legal schmiegel stuff, but I work very privately with artists when they even like see something that inspires them um, to ensure that we're having integrity to our own practice all the way through so we don't end up there. And then also so we're informed when and where it is appropriate to include influences or when things are in the public domain that are perfectly fine to use and repurpose and, um, you know, create anew. So I'm not going to go deeply into that right now because um, it also touches upon when people who are self-represented and really well known, like we'll see this with like Katie Daisy or my friend Carrie Schmidt or you know, many other artists, Kelly Ray Roberts has some great writing on her website about, you know, how she teaches how to make in her exact style, but how it is so not appropriate to then learn how to do that and then turn around and sell it as your own thing. Um, and I think that's done a great service to a lot of up and coming artists and newbies um, in really understanding, like, you got to put in the work to develop your own voice. And so that's what I do inside of my mentoring and inside of the Art Friends School membership is I offer a lot of support about getting to know our own creative process, our own forms of confidence and doubt, and what makes our work uniquely ours. And I teach best what I need to know because I'm constantly um, working on, on stepping ever more fully into my own voice as an artist and educator. Yeah. Okay, so then... Um, yeah, so we talked about like the idea of multiple discovery, um, a bit about copyright and all of that. And then I just wanted to talk about what it's like when you see someone's work um, that you're like, oh, darn it. Like, that's what I thought I wanted to do and they're already doing it. Or when you see someone's work and you're like, oh my God, I want to go try doing that because it looks so fun. Okay. First of all, I want to say that both of those experiences are so natural and they happen all the time. That's kind of what it feels like to be really connected to art, right? It moves you, it touches you, inspires you. And, um, you know, let's say you've had an idea and it's been knocking at you for a while, but and then you're like, oh no, they're already doing it. And I've just been thinking about it. That can be like so painful, right? Um, I'd say in that case, you could consider saying, well, hallelujah, now I don't have to go learn how to do, I don't know, like detailed portraits of people's eyeballs or whatever it was that you were trying to do. Maybe it liberates you because you're like, okay, that idea already has a steward. It's already being made. Or maybe you're like, okay, cool. Well, since I haven't acted on it, somebody else has, maybe you still act on it, but then you just really pay attention to making multiples of it or continuing to learn so that your version of it evolves in a different direction. And it almost always does. Because here's the thing, most of us have a really unique combination of like our actual skills, what we're actually able to render as drawing or painting or sculpting or whatever you use to create, like our actual skills will inform our work. It's almost like handwriting, right? Like my wonky flowers are the way that, or the way that I like quickly sketch self-portraits. Those are going to be different from anybody else because of the way that just my hands move and my eyes see and the skills I've practiced my whole life or not, you know, if it's new. 
So your skill set is going to set you apart whether you like it or not because of just like your ability to, to render the thing. So kind of have some faith in that if you do want to try something that's already been done. But obviously like try it, but don't, don't like then go sell it if it still looks very derivative and inspired by somebody else's work. Yeah? Um, on a similar vein to that, when you see someone's work and you're like, oh, like this is a common thing with drippies in Kelly Ray's work. Like she teaches how to make these lovely dripping marks. And then I see them all over the mixed media world. Flora Boli as well. Now I love me some drippies and that's fine. That's like nobody has copyrighted drippies. However, if you like you see them and you're like, oh, I want to try that because it looks really fun. Great. Make them, make them, make them, make them. And then as an art mentor, I may, if you ever came to me with your work, I may ask you like, how does that, you know, express your truth and does it make sense for your work? And if so, are we going to leave it right as it is? Do we want to do it in some sort of different way that starts to distinguish you, et cetera, et cetera. You don't have to overthink every single thing. But when you see something being done in someone else's work and we're like, ooh, I want to try that. Like, let's let ourselves try it because curiosity itself is what leads this whole thing forward. And I really, I really have been served by the idea of like letting myself want what I want and, and you know, as much as I can and then, and seeing where that leads me, that desire and then make it and then like keep going, right? Keep going. A lot of my friends right now are doing, um, cut out plywood and then painting their imagery on it. And I'm like, oh my God, I really want to do that. But I'm also like, oh, but they're already doing it. As, you know. So there's that constant thing in this community where of course we're going to see each other innovating. We're going to be inspired to try things. Let's just keep going so that we are um, really in service to creativity um, and not necessarily making derivative work. Now, as closing, I want to talk about a couple of things that kind of relate to that. One is when you do start to step into your own unique voice, the party gets even better. And I'll return to that in a second. The other one is like, and this came to me today while I was talking to a client. So I haven't fully fleshed this out. I may like think about it more and have better examples. But <clears throat> if we think about most of human history, back in the realm of like ideas and multiple discovery and how like ideas want to get discovered and they come through people and then they're shared and they help our whole culture evolve. And think about art in that way. For most of human history, like if we think about more traditional arts and crafts per se, if I discovered how to weave a better basket, I would then turn around and teach like, many of the people in my community that new weaving technique, right? Or if I had discovered like how to, how to create a better apparatus for trapping fish or food, that creativity and that innovation, I would then turn around and share it. Like, I think that is our nature. This is a very like simplified example, but if I think about artists and, and crafting and like creating in this very kind of studio arts way for so, so many eons as human beings, we have freely created and shared and created and shared. In our current moment, in our culture, 
in Western civilization, and we're still kind of like playing out the roots of like the Western European art bros who are all about like the elitism and, and you know, the hierarchy of like oil painting and sculpture above drawing and blah, 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 and then like fibers and blah, or women's, you know, we have all this like baggage from Western Europe and it gave us a lot as well. But we're here, we're in capitalism, we're in late capitalism. Anywho, we currently claim property, like we claim property that's like a really big deal. And then we turn it into money and we do this whole exchange and da 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 da. We all agree like some of it is completely effed. <laughs> so we're at a place with ideas where it is important to have unique ideas and to have some kind of ownership and protection of property in order to make a living and in order to honor artists and, and intellectuals and creatives as like real professionals who are making valuable things that then they can like leverage forever. Now that is fraught. It's really fraught. I cannot wait to interview my friend who works in like the university and teaches about copyright because I think it's fascinating to actually like pick that all apart. It's not necessarily working very well. <clears throat> However, I do want to want to say that yeah, I think kind of our human nature is actually to just act on creative ideas and then share them. That's kind of my vibe with our friend. But as savvy business as a savvy businesswoman in 2023, I'm freaking protecting my intellectual property and I am charging money for it and I am feeding my kid and I am, you know, taking care of things. Like that is part of the reality of being an artist right now. And I'm, I'm also really giving and sharing and there's a lot of exchange. Yeah. And I will just end this whole riff with my firm belief or, or invitation per se, that because I work with a lot of emerging artists and I still identify as an emerging artist, I've been out here as an art lady about town for over a decade in Portland, been teaching art to adults for 20 years. I don't know, I think I'll arrive at feeling established when I, I don't know, when I'm, I haven't defined that yet. So anyway, I work with a lot of emerging artists, right? I am one of the most welcoming people. I'll be like, come join the party. We want you here. We want your voice. I cannot wait to meet you. I cannot wait to introduce you to people who have you step more, more powerfully into your light. Like, bring it. Bring it. We want to see it. We want to dance. We want to play. And if you think about it that way, the party gets so much more fun when you are making something that is truly you. It gets way more fun for everyone, right? It just does. Like you're more fully self-expressed and rad and awesome. We can really see you and enjoy you. And like you're contributing your cool thing, you know, whether you watercolor or write or sing or oil paint or dance, whatever it is that you're doing in your creative process, you're bringing that. <clears throat> like if, if this party metaphor, if you want to follow me into a potluck to really be Portland, it's just boring if everyone brings popcorn with flowers on it. Like, that would be a really crummy potluck if everyone brought the same dish. Similarly, as a professional working artist, 
am the most interested in what is true to you and your self-expression. And I cannot wait for my own, like I'm having the breakthrough now in the Art Friend show, that this is something that's really true to me. It's a unique way I can contribute to the community and literally use my voice, which is like now giving out on me, so I have to finish this episode. <clears throat> I use my voice to like broaden our broaden our horizons per se, or bring a new element to the party. And so with every emerging artist that I work with, I'm just really wanting to encourage you to, to keep going. If you currently worry about the influence of other artists or teachers in your work, or you're really inspired by something and you kind of want to try it, I'd say try it, trust that desire, but don't kid yourself when it's not yours yet, right? Um, don't shame yourself into a corner and never create again. Like, let, my whole commitment is that we, as fellow artists, as a community, help each other stay in motion creatively. That is, that is the work. That is the work, like making the work, walking through doubt, continuing on. Um, so if you're, you're currently trying to shake the influence, I'm still trying to shake the influence of some teachers and like keep moving deeper and deeper into my own true things. Know that it is kind of part of that lifelong work. Um, we really want your unique voice at the party. Keep going. Uh, ask, phone a friend, ask the audience, <laughs> join my Art Friend School membership if you need encouragement and you want some eyes on your work. No one else can really tell you, even me, like that's what people hire me to do, but it's not up to me to be like, now you have permission to sell it. Now it is a, yours enough, blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm really help. I'm really good at helping you talk that through and sort that out and come to your own conclusions. Um, but yeah, know that it happens to all of us. We get excited by other ideas. We get jealous, we get influenced. And so that's part of the process, but if you see it a lot in your work right now, just keep going, keep creating, lean into what's uniquely yours. Um, don't be afraid to share it and show it and ask for feedback, loving feedback. Um, and yeah, that's kind of my, my, my take on that question of what do we do when we get inspired by other people's work or we see that something's already been done that we wanted to do. And I just wanted to really consider it from the perspective of, of um, you know, multi the multiple discovery or what I, the really the way I view the realm of ideas and how we're really in service to creativity itself. Um, the idea of copyright and what the point of it is and how it really serves artists and intellectuals and creatives. And then, finally, like that common experience that we all have of influence and why it's just more fun when every artist is really stepping into themselves and bringing that that potluck item and the, and that fully self-expressed rad self to the party it's just it's way more fun you're you're making more for all of us so all right that's today's episode let me know if you liked it share it um give me your own ideas to contribute to this conversation and once again if you want to go deeper into this stuff join the art friend school membership love to see you in there and thanks for watching the Art Friend Show. It's day 91. We're going to get all the way to 100. Then I'll let you know what's next. Bye. I'd love to have you inside of Art Friend School, where we go deeper into these topics, 
Follow the link that's in the show notes or find it on my website at onamika.com. 